Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. There's no good news in the fact that, hey, I'm godly. You can be godly like me. I'm not the good news. We are not the good news. Peter's clear about that before he jumps in. At the core of every other religion in the world is on some level self-power, some, well, some level a human-centeredness. And here, Peter is going to proclaim that at the core of Christianity is God's power and a God-centeredness. Most religions of the world dictate what you have to do in order to attain godlike status or favor with God. This puts you in a place to boast of your own discipline and commitment. That's not how Christianity is supposed to work. As Pastor Ricky reminds us in today's message, your only boast should be in Jesus. Your salvation isn't based off of anything that you did. It only required that you trust in Jesus, and He did everything else to bring you into right relationship with His Father. Well, let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Acts, chapter 3, as he begins his message, Jesus at Work in the Message. Be in the book of Acts, chapter 3. Today, we're talking about how Jesus can work through our words, right? When we open our mouths and declare the gospel, this passage, one of the purposes it's put in our Bibles is to encourage us, us that, yes, even us, we can speak the word of the gospel and God can work through it. Now, in some ways, I am the all-time worst person to bring this message because when, I, when it comes to evangelism or telling people about Jesus or inviting people, I am, I, was, I am, in some ways still am, but I definitely was, started out as the worst poster boy for evangelism of all time. I remember one time, my youth group leader was Tom Wilkins, who I think is the best youth group leader in the world. And uh, yeah, go Tom. And he encouraged us this one year that we're gonna like reach out to, you know, people we know that don't know Jesus. We're gonna do a special kind of course, a uh, special series of meetings. And he encouraged us with this very simple, very pastoral instruction to just invite one person. Just invite one person you know that doesn't know Jesus. And if there's 20 of us, and if we all invite one person, maybe the Lord will bring another 20. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, you're in youth group. And then I like let a week go by because I just didn't want to think about having to invite somebody. So then the week of the event shows up. It's like the first week. And so one day goes by and I think, you know what, I'll just do it tomorrow. And then the next day go by and I, I think, you know what, I'll just do it tomorrow. And then the third day go by, goes by and I thought, maybe I'll just, you know, people don't like to plan things. People like to be spontaneous. People like to just, you know, just like spur the moment. You know, they love to do things. That's the way I love to do things. Not really. But, um, and so I decide, okay, on the day of the event, I finally was like, they're gonna ask me if I invited everyone, anyone. So I have to do it because I was that much of a legalist. And so I'm like, I have to. So then I thought of somebody that I could call that I knew would be busy that night. And then I called them like literally hours before the event and, and mumbled through, hey, hey, how's it going? So I just, uh, so I was thinking, you know, if you're not, if you're not doing anything tonight, um, you know, you could join me for church. But, oh, you know what? You, I remember you said you had that thing. You had that, oh, I'm sure you'd love to come, but you had that thing, you know? So it's not even, it's not even a big deal. And the person's like, wait, who is this? And what, what are you inviting me to? Like, oh, no, it's Ricky, it's Ricky. And I, I was gonna invite you to this thing, but I just remembered you, 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 can't, you can't go to it. So you know what? You yeah, have a great, have a great Friday. And then hung up, right? 
And then when I got to youth group, when everyone shared like how they invited people, I shared, you know, yeah, I invited somebody, but just waiting on the Lord for that, you know, waiting on the Lord to, you know, to draw them in here, yeah, right? Like, now listen, there are a few of you that when you, when you hear, we're gonna talk about telling people about Jesus, you're like, yeah, get in there. And you got your like apologetics book that goes whoop, like on your chair. You're like, all right, let's get into this. And the rest of us go, Maybe you want to come to church, or maybe not, or maybe you, Jesus, maybe you want to hear about. And anyway, you're probably busy. Like, that's, that's where I arrive at messages like this. But this is why this passage is good news. Because last week, we saw that Jesus works through our work, both spectacular and mundane. And this week, Jesus works through our words. As frail as they are, as imperfect as they are, as bad as the messenger is, Jesus can Work. So the main idea is the message about Jesus advances in the power of God. And we're going to see this illustrated in three different sections. Part one is about the message filled with power, as we see Peter preach. Part two, we're going to see the witnesses or the messengers filled with power as they stand in front of the religious council. And part three, we're going to see the whole church filled with power as they gather to pray. Well, part one, the message filled with power. So last week we saw that Peter was used by God to do this miracle. There was this lame man, this man who had been disabled, couldn't walk at all from the time he was born, and he is about 40 years old. And so day after day, his friends would carry him to the temple where he would beg. So everybody knew this guy. Everybody's coming in and out of the temple in Jerusalem. Everybody, even if you don't visit Jerusalem that often, you're going to remember this guy. Every feast, every festival, same guy. And yet... Through the power of Jesus, through the power of his name, this man is raised not just to rehab, but to absolute, like, like as if he, his legs had been strong his whole life. And so, verse 11 says, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon. So there's this section of the temple where it's a big open area. And so Peter, you know, finds a box or something, a cart to stand on. And all these people are gathering around asking what's going on. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Now, before we get into how he addressed the people, I want to just draw attention to the fact that the fact that Peter is the one addressing the people should give all of us hope. Um, Peter... Just, just weeks earlier, probably, um, is the one that denied Jesus, the one that ran away, the one who pretended he didn't even know Jesus. And he's the one that's going to stand up and address the crowd. And we'll talk more about that in point number two. But notice that in what Peter preaches, Peter is not, he spent time with Jesus, but he's not a trained rabbi in the, in, in the standards of the day. He's not the most, um, he's, well, if you read the Gospels, he's not the, uh, the crispiest fry in the happy meal, the sharpest tool in the shed, whatever you want to say. Peter, he has enthusiasm, but he is not the sharpest, okay? And so his gospel presentation is not the most like nuanced and compelling presentation ever delivered. Now, he does a good job, as we'll see. He talks about Jesus, but the, the main thing he does, I want, I want us to relate to in that if Peter can teach like this, we can do this, Okay? Peter's not, he's not like the Apostle Paul in some ways. Obviously, there's qualifications there. Um, but Peter, he's a blue-collar guy. 
And yet, he very effectively delivers the message of the gospel to these people. In fact, we learn later in the passage that, that probably hundreds, if not thousands of people, get saved at this moment where, people, where Peter is proclaiming who Jesus is. And so this is one of the most effective sermons that we have, effective in the sense that people come to know Jesus and follow him. One of the most effective sermons in the New Testament delivered by a former fisherman who's not probably the smartest guy in the room. And so what I want us to see is we can do this. And what Peter mainly does is he mainly talks a lot about Jesus. He mainly makes clear who Jesus is and the implications of that for his life, for our lives. So verse 12, he saw and addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this and why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? So Peter first clarifies, listen, this isn't me. This isn't some innate power I have. And this isn't the fact that I'm the godliest person and therefore God listened to me. See, there was a popular conception in that day that if you lived perfectly enough, if you just obeyed everything in the law and all the rabbinic traditions, if you lived maybe like a fully perfect day, then you could do miracles. In other words, you achieve godliness level 100 and then you'll be able to do this. So they're thinking, well, maybe Peter's just very godly. No, maybe he has this power. No, see, Peter is very careful when he proclaims Jesus to state what he's not proclaiming as much as he, what he is proclaiming. And in our day, I think this is important as well. In a religious culture like El Paso, we have to be clear about what we do not mean when we tell people about Jesus. We're not saying that if you're just good like us, then that's what it means to follow Jesus. Or maybe if you're good like us, then God will transform your marriage and your parenting and your kids will be model kids like our kids, right? A lot of times people in El Paso already feel a little bit guilty that they're not going to church. Have you experienced this? Where you invite somebody to church, sometimes they don't go like, no, I'm never doing that. They go kind of like, oh, yeah, I should, I should do that sometime. You know, it's just kind of this low level sense of guilt. And sometimes when we invite people, what they have in their minds is, oh, you are a good person you're inviting me to be a good person. I'm, I'm just not. In other words, the gospel they're hearing is, I'm great, you can be great like me, just try hard. And in a similar way, Peter is saying, no, 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 that's not the gospel. There's no good news there. There's no good news in the fact that, hey, I'm godly, you can be godly like me. I'm not the good news, we are not the good news. Peter's clear about that before he jumps in. At the core of every other religion in the world is on some level, self-power, some, well, some level, a human-centeredness. And here, Peter is gonna proclaim that at the core of Christianity is God's power and a God-centeredness. Verse 13, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But when you... But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses and his name by faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Man, that's quite the beginning of a speech, right? That's, that's, can you imagine starting your gospel presentation with, well, point number one, you denied. Point number two, you killed, right? Like, whoa, whoa, okay. 
This isn't the most winsome. Now listen, sometimes you think of Christianity as like, man, Christianity is real offensive in our day. We're very exclusive, you know, say there's only one way to be saved and you have to repent and, and you have to believe that you're a sinner and, and you think, oh man, I wish we were back in the day where that wasn't offensive. No, it was offensive, right? Most people didn't even believe in the resurrection and he's proclaiming the resurrection, right? Most, he's proclaiming all kinds of offensive stuff, but he doesn't shy away from it. Now, here's the thing. I think sometimes when it comes to being clear about the gospel, um, that we cannot remove the fact that some of the gospel's pro- right proclamation is gonna be offensive. But we shouldn't proclaim it like in an indiscriminate, mean, and offensive way. Let me read you this quote from Keller that I thought was, was helpful this week. Uh, he says this, the early church was attractive and growing, yet hated and attacked. This description of the early church cuts us two ways. If on the one hand, we, do, we experience no attacks or persecution for our faith, it means we're simply being cowards. We are not taking risks in our witness. We're not being bold. On the other hand, if we experience attacks without a fruitfulness and attractiveness, it may mean that we are being persecuted for being harsh or insensitive or strident. Jesus, would, Jesus said we would only be blessed if we were persecuted for righteousness' sake. It's quite possible for Christians to be persecuted not for their faith, but for discourtesy and insensitivity and lack of warmth and respect in their dealings with others. Insensitive and harsh Christians will have persecution, but not praise. Cowardly Christians will have praise, but not persecution. Most Christians actually get neither, but Christians who are closest to Jesus will get both as he did, right? Which I think is so helpful. So here, Peter Listen, he's not trying to like water down the message and say, okay, don't ever be offended by what I'm saying. But he's not being mean, as we'll see. He's being gracious and winsome as he goes on. But I think the thing I want you to get is he is clear. Now, he's not unnecessarily mean. He's just blunt. And if there's one thing you know about the Apostle Peter is he's just a blunt guy. (laughs) And so he's just clear. Listen, and he's clear out of love for these people. It wouldn't be loving to not tell them, listen, the, the, the person that you killed, he was actually the Messiah. And yet you killed him. And so a response is required from you. Now, here, here's the thing that I love about this, is the resurrection is, is proved in a way by this man actually walking around in front of them. In case anybody's wondering, well, is Jesus really alive? Like this guy who for 40 years was lame is suddenly walking and it was in his name. Listen, Jesus' name would have no power if he were dead, right? But if he's alive, then his name has power. So he's like, this man's walking means Jesus is walking, right? And so this is, this is Peter's like, hey, look, here's a proof. Jesus is alive. And yet you killed him. So he's clear about sin. Listen, in, in a similar way, we all need to be not mean, not insensitive, but, but honest about sin, that sin is the issue in our lives. Listen, maybe we didn't like this crowd. Maybe we didn't take a bribe to shout crucify him, but we all trade God for other things. We all say, listen, I'd, I'd rather, instead of having God, I'd rather have money. I'd rather have comfort. I'd rather have pleasure. I'd rather have power, whatever. That's the essence of sin. Rather than turning and worshiping God as we were created and intended to, we turn away and worship something else because we want something other than God. We trade him for something else. And so Peter's honest about that with them, but he gives them good news. Verse 17, 
And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. So here's what I love. He's clear, Peter is blunt and clear about the bad news. You killed the author of life, right? You traded the righteous one for an unrighteous person. But he holds out the good news of Jesus. Listen, what Peter could have proclaimed is, listen, you know, there was a Messiah. That was great. You killed him. Uh Uh-oh. And he's alive now. So remember the guy that you were shouting, crucify him and taking money for? Yeah, he's back, okay? And bad news, he's not dead. And he has a message for you, right? Like, that, that doesn't seem like it's leading to a good place. And yet, this is what Peter says. Listen, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Listen, what Peter is holding out is the insane beautiful good news of Jesus, that the very one that we should be afraid of in light of what we have done is our Savior who suffered for us. And in light of who Jesus is and what he's done, there's kind of a dual call toward repentance and refreshing. And I think that's helpful for us, helpful categories for us. Peter calls for repentance. In other words, in light of the fact that they've pursued sin, they must turn around. Repentance means to turn fully. So it's not like I'm headed in this direction. I'm going to add Jesus on as my, you know, co-pilot and I'm going to keep flying. No, repentance means you're going this way, you turn around and go the other way. That's repentance. And you have to to be, be clear about what sin is in order they know what they're repenting from. Repentance is critical, but so is the offer of refreshment. See, Peter is really blunt about the bad news, but he's really clear about the good news, that when you repent and look to faith in Christ, your sins can be blotted out and you can enter into times of refreshing. Listen, this offer to blot your sins out would have been clearer to the ancient people hearing this because in the ancient world, there were sort of two types of of writing. In other words, there was a common kind of papyrus that would be kind of almost wax coated, that the ink that you use in your pen would sit kind of on top of the wax And when you were done, you would wipe it off, right? Maybe be a little smudgy, but you just keep wiping this thing off because that stuff is expensive. But if you had something that you wanted to permanently record, you would get a type of ink and parchment that it would bleed into the fiber itself, right? Now, here's the thing. Our sins aren't just kind of written on the top of our lives. They've sunk into the parchment, into the fabric of our lives, And what Peter is proclaiming is that even those things that are stained into your life that you can't get rid of, you can't wash off no matter what, those things can be blotted out by Jesus. Listen, the good news that Peter proclaims is, and he writes it later in one of his letters, that Jesus was given the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God. In other words, the righteous record of Jesus is what blots out our unrighteous record, and our unrighteous record is given to Jesus, and he suffers and pays for it. That's the good news that Peter is holding out. And not just that, it doesn't just end there, but because of that, we enter into times of refreshing, 
Listen, this time of refreshing for the, the people that he's talking to, they would have had in mind the end of the age where God returns as king and sets everything right, where there is full peace and full shalom and wholeness and evil and hurt are banished forever. This would be like the end times to the Jewish people. And he's saying, listen, you can enter into the times of refreshing now and one day fully when Christ returns, creation in a sense will be fully refreshed. I think these are two helpful categories to keep in mind as we're proclaiming the gospel. We should be clear both about repentance and refreshing. If, if all of our proclamation of the gospel is only ever in the repentance department, it's not gonna sound like super good news. Like if our gospel is, you're a bad person, you need to turn your life around, right? That, that doesn't, there's not a lot of good news there. But if all we hold out is, man, Jesus is so great and he can you know, take you to this wonderful place, but we never tell people how to get there, which is through repentance. See, both of these are incomplete. But Peter is super blunt about the bad news and super gracious and hope-filled about the good news. He holds both of these out. What is Peter asking them to do? He's asking them to have faith in the name of Jesus. So the miracle was done in the name of Jesus, right? And what is he asking them to do? To believe in the name of Jesus. In other words, he's offering to them that, that spiritually the same miracle that happened to the lame man can spiritually happen to them. This man was lame. He couldn't help himself. He had no hope. And yet the name of Jesus, the power of the name of Jesus raised him up. And spiritually to all of the dead and lame people that he's talking to, he's saying, listen, have faith in the name of Jesus and you can be spiritually raised up. You can have your sins blotted out. You can enter into these times of refreshing. This is what Peter is holding out to them. Verse 22, one last important thing about the way he proclaims this. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers and you shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Now in this last section, Peter specifically addresses their identity and faith as Jews. So we're gonna, I'm not gonna unpack each phrase because we're gonna get into this much more as we walk through the book of Acts together. But Peter essentially talks about the long legacy of prophets in the Old Testament. And he talks about how all the prophets pointed to the prophet Jesus and all the prophets pointed to these days where the Messiah would come. And here's his burden, his concern for his countrymen is that they would not have all of the religion of the Old Testament and miss the point of the Old Testament. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. That's all we have time for today on Better News Radio. We hope you'll tune in again to continue Pastor Ricky's study in the book of Acts, What Jesus Did Next. If you've missed a message or would like to hear today's teaching again, you can do so by visiting our website at betternewsradio.com. 
feel free to download the audio to take with you on the go, or to share, or just listen online. We're so glad that we can bring you God's Word through the ministry of Better News Radio, and we want you to know that we're praying for you always. We want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to find a Bible-teaching church that you can make your spiritual family. By joining a church, you gain a support group of brothers and sisters who put God's love into practice and can help you grow in your own relationship with your Creator. You too can contribute in your own unique way as well, and together the body of Christ will reach many with the good news of the Gospel. If you're in the El Paso area, we'd love to have you come see us in person at Cross of Grace Church. We meet each Sunday to worship God and discover what He has to teach us through His Word. Find directions and more information under the Community tab at betternewsradio.com or give us a call at 915-562-7100. Again, that number is 915-562-7100. We're excited to include you in our service. Thanks for tuning in today for Better News Radio.